45, 40, run, William, run! He's got blockers in front, five, touchdown! Joshua Krim! He snapped back, ball down, can't block. block! They blocked the kick! This is the Orange is Orange or Browns podcast. I am your host, Chase Smith, and with me, as always, Browns insider, Jeremy and Akron. Jeremy, how you doing, man? Hey, good, man, Chase. I'm excited to get this going here, buddy. Very exciting. With us today is an incredibly special guest. He was a defensive back for the Cleveland Browns from 1985 to 1990 with 29 total career interceptions, two touchdowns. He led the NFL in interceptions in 1989. With us is Felix Wright. Felix, how are you doing? Hey, I am doing all right. Hanging on in there, and I appreciate the invite. And Hey, I look at those stats you just said. I, I, I didn't realize I did that many, had that many picks. Yeah, an incredible <laughs> career. <laughs> yes, it, it was awesome. I, uh, well, you know what? You know, and growing up as a, as a as a youngster in in uh, Carthage, Missouri, southwest southwest Missouri, my my goal was to to become a professional ball player. Didn't know if it was going to be in baseball or football, but it, it worked out to be football, and I was able to accomplish some of my goals as far as leading the league in interceptions, leading the team in interceptions, being a, just being a leader. And it it worked out. I had a great career and appreciate every moment I played in the league. It's great. That is awesome, man. Hey, I want to ask you a question. The Browns currently just uh, brought over Alonzo Highsmith from the Packers. And I actually saw a lot of players. I've never seen this before with the front agent, you know, uh, front office hire, but a lot of the Packer players were upset about him leaving. They all had good relationships with him. Uh, I know you played against him. Do you have any kind of relationship with him? And what do you think about that hire? Well, you know, I, I have a relationship with him uh, on Twitter. And then also, you know, when we, we, we may see each other at, at an NFL event like, uh, you know, like the Senior Bowl or, or the Super Bowl or the Combine and things like that, we see each other. But, you know, I played against Alonzo. He was a very good ball player when he was with the Houston Oilers. That was a battle. He was a load to bring down, a great competitor. And, uh, you know, he's been with the Packers organization for quite some time. And, uh, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, I hope that he helps us uh, get in the direction we need to go to to have some success here in Cleveland. We deserve it. Yes, sir. So, uh, Felix, what, what is it like playing in the NFL uh, as a full-time job? Could you kind of walk us through a regular game day week? And people don't realize that th- this is, like, a full-time job and it does require more than just the four hours of game day on Sunday. What does it look like for an NFL player? Oh yeah. Well, oh yeah. It's a, it's a very busy week. Uh, you know, you, you have one day off a week, but that one day off, usually you come into the office and review film. So really during the season, you have no weeks off. So if you figure you have training camp in July, which is, which is every day, and you play 20 games, you play four preseason games, and then you play 16 regular season games in, in 17 weeks, and then, you have, and then you have the playoffs. So, you know, so from July to, you know, January, you pr- pretty much work on a daily basis. But, you know, you have your game day on Sunday, and then, uh, and then on Monday you come in and you kind of review the film, and then you, you go out and do a little running to kind of hopefully relieve some of the soreness and strain that you put on your body which will help you go into uh tuesday where you have a little time off but you, that's usually your day off and most of the guys come in and get film of the next opponent to get you know to get started on that so 
but there's nothing physical going on as far as you, you know, have to work out or anything like that. And then Wednesday, you come in and that's your first uh, day to where you really start putting in the game plan for that next opponent. Uh, you know, you work on your first down package and your second down package, maybe your sh second and short. And then, uh, you know, you, 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 and then on Thursday you come in and you work on your second and short and your, and all of your third down situations. And then, uh, and then on Friday, you kind of taper it back a little bit to where you kind of work on, uh, you know, your special teams and, and, uh, you know, third and long, your nickel and your dime packages as far as on the defense. And then on your offense, you kind of work on your, you know, on, on some of the things that, uh, you know, like your short, your short, short yardage and goal line things. And then on Saturday, it's just really a review day, and it depends if you have to travel on a away game or not. Because it's a travel day, then you you know you you practice and then you head to the airport. If you have a home game, you practice and then you you just go home and relax. And then usually you have to check in that evening by a certain time, usually around six or seven, into the hotel, so you can have meetings and get to, you know go over the final things and get preparation for the Sunday game. But, uh, you know, a normal day for an NFL player, you usually get in the office there or in the, into your facility, you know, around 7, 30, 8 o'clock, and then you usually leave around probably around 5 or 6 in the evening. So it's a good, you know, 11 to 12-hour day for you every day. And, uh, you know, the only way you're going to have success in this business is if you know your opponent. And, if you, you know, and it, it will show up on Sunday how well you know your opponent. So if you don't play very well, and uh, you don't have a whole lot of success out there. That means that you haven't prepared very well. So, yeah. um, so uh, you know, needless to say, here in Cleveland, we need to prepare a little bit better and uh, and uh, and uh, spend a little more time of what we're doing to hopefully, you know, turn this thing around and uh, get back on track and uh, you know produce some wins for the city. Felix, I read that you started your career in the CFL, correct? Yes, I did. Yeah, I, I uh, you know, when I graduated out of Drake University, uh, I wasn't really given an opportunity to uh, play professional football. So I actually went back and taught school for a year in Joplin, Missouri, as a uh, physical education and history teacher. And I did that for a year. Then I got an opportunity to go to a training camp uh, down in, uh, in Houston, Texas. And uh, that worked out, you know, when, when, you know, signed a contract there, went into training camp and got kind of caught up in the numbers games and uh, was let go there. Um, but I had an interesting uh, meeting with the defensive back coach, which his name is Kenny Houston, who, who was an all pro for the Houston Oilers back in the day. And he said, Felix, don't worry about it. He said, I really had nothing to do with this. I, I wanted to keep you, but, you know, management is in the numbers. We weren't able to, but you will be back in this league. Just go do what you got to do. You're going to get a call. You're going to get another opportunity. And, you know, I kind of took that for what it was worth. But uh, the day I was released, the, you know, hours later, the Hamilton Tiger Cats called me up and said, hey, you can come up and play for us right now. So at that particular time, I, I knew nothing about the Canadian Football League and, you know, anything about Canada. But, you know, they talked me into flying up. and. Uh, so I, you know, I flew up um, on a Thursday and uh, practiced on a Friday. Flew to Edmonton, uh, Alberta, on Saturday and played a game Sunday against the Edmonton Eskimos. and And the starting quarterback was Warren Moon. So wow. it was, uh, it was what a story pretty, that is, man. Yeah, pretty crazy ride. 
Uh, obviously, you know, Warren saw the new guy out there, which was me, and the first 10 passes were at me. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, it, it was kind of crazy, but, uh, you know, the, the fifth time he threw out there, I intercepted him and took it back 70 yards. So it was a good start for me. Uh, and, and the start of, you know, every time I played Warren Moon, I intercepted him, which was kind of a cool thing. That's super So cool. I uh, ended up playing up up there uh, the remainder of that year in 80, uh, 82. They signed me to a new two-year deal. So, you know, to 83 and 84, we actually, you know, was able to uh, work our way into the playoffs and actually play in the Grey Cup in 84. And I made the all-star team up there, which put me in position to – get some interest from some NFL teams. And, and that's when, uh, you know, my last, you know, season there in 84, I had a decent, I had like two, you know, 12 interceptions and, you know, played in the, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, the great cup and, and made a few plays there, which gave me an opportunity to, you know, generate some interest for some teams and Cleveland actually outbid uh, three other teams for me to come back in 85 and, and, uh, you know, the rest is history. You know, I, I signed on and Marty, Marty didn't make any guarantees. He says, but I like your style. I like the way you play. If you do what you, if you do what you do, then you should have no problem making our team. And, uh, so that's all you can ask for as a ball player. Yeah. Uh, you know, just an, uh, an equal opportunity, uh, to, to make, to make the squad. And, uh, and I knew personally that if I was given an opportunity, because I felt like I was overlooked in the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, I, I wouldn't have any issues with making the team as long as I'd give them, the, give them a legitimate shot. It all worked out, and I became a Cleveland Brown in 85. And, and uh, you know, the first couple of years, you know, I played a, a backup role. But, you know, I played lots of special teams and played, you know, the nickel back and the dime back and, and alternated in at safety here and there. And, uh, I had a great time. I, I love I love the time I spent in Cleveland, and was and then, you know, in '87 was given an opportunity to uh, to make a few plays in a, in a Monday night game, which kind of catapulted me into the starting uh, position, and never and never looked back from from that day on, awesome. and, uh, and and you know played uh, you know uh, you know to to the '90 season, and then had some contract issues and. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, the following year, I ended up going to Minnesota and playing for the Vikings for a couple of years, which was a, a wonderful experience. And then I actually got back with Marty in, in 91 with, uh, you know, with the Chiefs. Chiefs and, yeah. and the Chiefs were, you know, growing up in Missouri, the Chiefs were kind of my team in growing up. So I got an opportunity to play with them one game, which was, you know, kind of a dream come true, which was, was cool in, the, in a playoff game. And then after it was all said and done, I ended up moving back to Cleveland. I love it here in Cleveland and, and enjoy the city and the fans and the, and the organization. And uh, this is where I'll be. It's great. Let me follow something up there, Felix. Um, what do you think the reason is so many ex-players that play in Cleveland end up making this their home and so many come back? You think it's just the people or what, is, what do you think that reasoning is? Well, I think, yeah, I think it's the people. And I just think that, uh, you know, the, just, uh, you know, when you get here and you get involved with the community, they got great school systems here. It's a pretty reasonable place to live. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a big city, but not, not the great big city like the New York, Chicago's and the LA. So, you know, the traffic's not too terribly bad. Uh, and I just, I tell you what, I just love the people of Cleveland. I, I, uh, you know, I knew that uh, after I'd been here a couple of years, this is where I was going to be, even even after I retired. So my whole family still lives in Missouri. I get back there quite often, but uh, I will always be a Clevelander. Felix, how, how important is it uh, 
for a team to have good chemistry in the locker room. And uh, what are some fun stories you have from your time at the Browns? When you started, it was Bernie was pretty young. The Biner Mac were pretty young. It was a pretty young team, right? Like how important is that chemistry in a locker room? Yeah, we were all around the 24 to 25 to 26 year range. Uh, Chemistry is really important. I mean, I, you know, the, the better everybody gets along, the better you're going to play and communicate. You have no issues. And we had great leadership, you know, you know, leadership in Clay Matthews, uh, you know, Big Daddy Carl Harrison, you know, guys such as Bubba Baker, uh, you know, guys that have been there a long time and been there a, a while, bringing the young guys up, you know, you know, the young guys consisted of like Ernest Biner, or Kevin Mag, Webster Slaughter. You know, Brian Brennan, Reggie Langhorn. And also in the secondary with Minifield and Dixon, we were all pretty young as well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but the, you know, the, the biggest mentor and, and that we had was, was, was Coach Schottenheimer. He was, he was mm-hmm. the ultimate uh, leader and uh, made sure that we were prepared for every situation that we went into. And I think that's the reason why we had such good records and, yeah. and we played so well is because we were really, really prepared to play against our opponent. So, you know, when you're well prepared, there's less thinking involved and when there's less thinking involved you just react to what you see and what you know and and what happens that equals in making plays and turnovers and creating great situations and you put your football team in mm-hmm. uh, what's your opinion on coach jackson and were you surprised the browns brought him back after the two first two seasons well, I don't know if I was surprised because I had heard that you know that he you know that he was he was you know good. I, I I you know I like Coach Jackson. I I think he's an excellent coach. I I you know I I don't know really exactly what's going on as far as the wins and losses. Uh, you know I know that uh, you know he was stripped of a lot of uh, of the core players, and I I think you got to have core players and leaders in your in your in your locker room to help the younger guys come up you know there's one thing of being young but you got to have some core players as well and your core players are guys that are in their mid-20s you know which is not old you know it's in their prime you know four or five years in the league they understand what's going on uh but i think he was stripped of that and i think that really affected you know him as far as you know the wins losses but I, I think he's an excellent coach. Obviously, he's had some success coaching in Cincinnati. He had some success in in, in, in L.A. when he was there as a head coach. And, uh, I, you know, wh- whether it was a good move or a bad move, it was, uh, you know, it was the owner's decision and there's there's uh, to, to, to keep him. And so we got to kind of make the best of it. But, you know, hopefully we'll get him some core players that will come in and, and then, you know, then we can decide from that point how well, uh, you know, we achieved by getting some of the players that uh, that are going to help us, you know, turn turn it around. Yeah. Felix, who was the the best receiver you ever faced against in the NFL? Well, of course, that would be Jerry Rice. You know, we you know, Jerry Rice was, was the man back in back in the day. We didn't we didn't play against him very often, but uh, you know, when we, you know, but you know, I think we played against him probably three or four times in my uh, you know nine year career. But uh, he was always a danger. Uh, you know, not real fast, but real crafty. Yeah. But you know, we you know we had the top corners in the league, so Minifield and Dixon always played real well against him. Plus, mm-hmm. you know, with him having so much success and being so good, that that elevates your your play as well. Sure. So when we played against the Forty ers uh, you know, they, they didn't you know run it up on us, and Jerry didn't have a great game. I mean, he caught the you know caught balls that, that he should catch. But uh, we pretty much kept him under wraps. Yep. Uh, 
another another question here for you. How has the game changed since since you were in the league? I, you hear all the time, all oh, the game is different now than it was in the eighties, and and how how does that affect playing cornerback or defensive back with the receiver? Like how how has the game changed to today? Well, it's changed a lot to where you know there's there's a lot of medical issues now uh, that has came up and a lot of lawsuits, and so they're trying to to make the game a little safer. It, it's tough to make it a little safer when it's it's all involved around contact, right? You know. Uh, and you know, they've re- they've changed it in the way of how many days you can have contact, uh, in practice. We used to hit every day. We, we played, you know, like we played in the game is how we practiced. And, and I think that's why we were so good at tackling and so good at catching the ball, uh, blocking and tackling because we practiced it every day. I think, I think the ball players today lack in that because they just don't really get an opportunity to practice on tackling and, and catching the ball in certain situations and blocking. So if you don't work at it like, you know, your craft uh, every every day uh, at full speed, then you're going to be lacking a little bit in that fundamental. You know, yeah. when it comes, you know, when it comes game time. But uh, you know, the but you know, you you have to find a way to to uh, you know create a balance. So yes, the game has changed a, a tremendous amount from uh, you know from from the roughing the passer to the pass interference calls to the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the helmet to helmet. It just, uh, it has to be done, but it, it, it has changed the game quite, quite, quite a lot. Yeah. Do, do you see the concussions and the CTE like dramatically like changing the, the game more moving forward or how do you, how do you see that playing into all this? Well, I see it. Yeah, I see it. It's really affecting. I, I, I see, you know, it, I think there's less and less, football players that are, you know, that are playing mm-hmm. these days because of the parent uh, doesn't, uh, doesn't want to put their child in that, in that particular situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think there's less ball players than there were when I was playing. Cause you know, when I, when I grew up, was growing up as a kid, hell, we used to have a hundred people, a hundred kids out there yeah. trying to make a football team. I, I don't think those numbers are the same from when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, and plus there's a lot more, things for for kids to do these days you know you got you got soccer you got uh, lacrosse you got just a number of other things uh, and opportunities out there athletic wise that they may choose to do versus you know playing football mm-hmm. were concussions an issue whenever you played or how how, how were they addressed well no they're, they're, the concussions were never an issue when we played it was we actually we didn't even call them concussions we call them dings yeah. So you know, you go up and you, you you go up and hit somebody, and you got dinged a little bit. You kind of just shuck it off and went back out there. We didn't really pay, pay much attention to. There was no such thing as a concussion protocol. And, uh, so and I, I, yeah, sure I think that's the reason. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sure that's hard because as a player, you don't want to come off as injury prone, and you want to play for your team and do your. You know what I mean? Do your job and and be tough and and, and play the sport you love, but. Uh, you know, what, I'm, so I'm sure that that's hard for a for a player. You don't, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Is that is that true or is that? Yeah, you know? it's it's very it's very it's very tough for a player. I mean, you, you even look at the situation that they're even talking about last week's game against Carolina and New Orleans yeah. when when they thought that uh, you know the Cam Newton got you know he should have been in concussion protocol, but he said it was really an eye injury. But you know he had a shield on, so it really wasn't an eye <laughs> an eye injury. Like he got really he got dinged. So. Yeah. But he was able to come back. So, you know, they, they, the league has to shore that up, how they're going to handle that situation, right. you know, because, you know, 
Yeah. I mean, it was clear, clearly he got hit in the head, and he was a little woozy and a little crazy. I mean, he wasn't like – he didn't get hit like Kelsey got hit in the Kansas City game where he could hardly walk. But, you know, they got they got to – I don't – you know, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of deal with that. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I, I think they make the right decision. I mean, I think Cam was clear enough, and you can tell you can tell if there's a guy that's not in his right mind or not, and I think Cam was okay. But yeah. It's something they have to show up. They have to show up a lot of things in the league as far as the ruling goes. You know, what's a catch, what's not a catch. That, that's yeah. really annoying. Yep. You know, so. Especially when oh. outcomes of games, you got to figure that out. Yes, yes. Felix, I want to talk a little bit about what you're doing now. I read that you do uniform compliance, keeping the players compliant yeah. with the league. You want to tell us a little bit about that and how much you interact with the players and what that's like? Yeah, I'm an NFL inspector and uh, i've been doing it for 17 years and we just actually brought on another 32 guys so now we have two guys per team uh and you know we brought on reggie langhorn here who is a you know an ex-teammate of mine here uh i you know it's, it's it was it's, it's it's been a great job i you know it's it's, it's a part-time gig where we work for the league and basically what we do is we protect the sponsorship of the league you know the the nikes the uh the Gatorades, the Motorola's of the NFL, and we just make sure that those uh, those sponsorships don't get sabotaged by any means, and, and have things removed if, if they are being sabotaged. So, you know, it just consists of I just make sure that the ball players and the coaches and and the uh, referees are just uh, you know in, in compliance with all the sponsorship that uh, uh, that uh, is involved with the league. So. It's been. It actually started off just supposed to be a one-year deal, and now I'm in my. I just finished up my 17th year, so it's it's been a, a lot of fun. I get. I, you know, I do all the Browns games and the Hall of Fame game, mm-hmm. and then this year we had an opportunity to go to London because we were the home team in London against the Vikings. So that was that was a great opportunity to to take a trip over there because I know when we when we played back in the 80s, I think it was 89, we had an opportunity to go over to London and play the Eagles. So that was a really cool deal. Cool. So, but yeah, so that, that, that's, that's what it entails is, you know, most of the guys know me because I've been around for so long. If they played any amount of years in there. So they, you know, it, it's, you know, I'm just the, the kind of the police just to kind of make sure that the sponsorship is being taken care of and represented well. Do you have any interesting stories about that or anything that you're allowed to tell us with guys that have not listened or anything? <laughs> well, well, <laughs> that you're allowed well to yeah, I, I got some funny, I got some, I got some, yeah, I got some great stories, but you know, the, the, the fines start off at $7,500. So, Dang. you know, so, you know, so once you, once you kind of throw that number out there, they, 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 they become compliant really quickly. <laughs> and most of them know that it, it starts off there. But I, I remember, uh, uh, the linebacker for the, uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals. And I can't remember his name. He's from USC. It starts with a name. Ray Maluga. Uh, yeah, Maluga. And, and Maluga had on a hat that was unauthorized because, you know, the, uh, he wasn't supposed to be wearing it. And, uh, and I told him, you know, and this was his, this was his rookie year. And I said, you, you know, you got to take that off. You got to get a team issued, you know, cap on. He said, I've been wearing this for years. And I'm like, well, you only been in the league for half a year. So what are you talking about? You've been wearing it for years. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of, I thought that was kind of funny. He, he, he made, he made it seem like he'd been in the league for 10 years and I hadn't been paying attention. So, but uh, yeah, he was pretty cool. So every every year he came back, we we used to laugh and joke about that. But I don't think he's with the Bengals any longer. Hmm. No, I think he's, I think he's actually out of the league now. 
Yes, yes, yes. So Felix, tell us a little bit about, as we kind of wrap up here, about Sports Trust Consulting. Well, Sports Trust Consulting, I've, I've, uh, I've owned this business for, you know, 17 years. And what I did is I, I, I was a, a banker back in, in 99 where I worked for uh, uh, a bank in Canada and uh, uh, Royal Bank of Canada. And I kind of worked in their sports division. We started up a sports division. We kind of worked with athletes and it was something I really enjoyed doing. And, uh, you know, did that for a couple of years at the bank and, and, uh, and decided to kind of go off on my own and do my own deal. You know, they always say, you know, if you, if you, if, you know, the only way you make real money is if you go into business for yourself. And I, and I don't know if that's necessarily true, but it, it kind of worked out in my, my situation to where I, kind of went out on my own to be able to, you know, consult and mentor NFL and NBA players on their financial status. So my job is really just basically just kind of put the financial uh, plan together for them, just kind of help them understand their finances as a consultant and, and put a plan together to where, uh, you know, it's reasonable for them and to put a, a future plan together that will put them in position to, to maintain the same lifestyle that they're living now. And the only way they are able to do that is if they do right in the, in the you know, if they do right with their finances and, and put the correct uh, game plan together for it to be able to achieve it. And, and how I state that is that is to be successful in, 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 in anything that you do, whether it be football, or uh, a, a marriage, or your finances, is that you got to have a game plan, and you got to execute that game plan. Yep. If you don't execute that game plan, you're going to have some issues. Yep. And uh, and and the Cleveland Browns right now have some issues because they're not executing the game plan. So that's a perfect <laughs> example. Yeah, man. But you know, back in the '80s, we had we had excellent game plans, and so we had a lot of success. And as you know, in your marriage you got to do certain things to keep the trust and make things happen and it will be a successful marriage. And I think that's the way, same way in finances. If you, you know, you, you make X amount of dollars and if you put away X amount of dollars and, and do right with it, then it's going to be there for you later. And that's, that's what I try and convey to a lot of the youngsters, uh, ball players out there is that, Hey, you know, this isn't going to last forever. You too will be retired like me one day. So yeah. we have to put the, we have to do right with this and, and put away, the you know x amount that we say we're going to put away that will enable you to maintain the lifestyle that you live when you get out of the game because uh you know you'll never have any other days as far as paydays yep. uh you know any other job that you'll have that will put you in this position to be able to maintain sure. so i'm sure anything mm -hmm. to help players transition you know to life after football is is an incredible blessing and just just a great resource for for these young players who have never seen this amount of money in their life and they're 23 24 20 26 years old and you know what i mean so i'm sure it's an incredible help yeah. for them oh it's it's it's, it's unbelievable yeah. it's unbelievable i i, I uh, actually mentor some guys that they don't even start and they made more money than i did as a starter so oh my goodness <laughs> yeah. it's, just a, it's just a sign of the times but yeah yep, but uh, it, it's it's pretty awesome, and and I work right now. Currently, I work with about five NFL players on on there, and just try and help them, uh, you know, execute the plan that we set forth. And uh, that's a that's a trying time because, as you know, when the money hits the account, everything changes. Yep. 
Yeah. Well, last question here, Felix. We wanted to uh, get your opinion. Uh, Felix, you you have the the power and authority. You're handed the keys to the Browns with the first pick of the 2018 NFL Draft. <laughs> we had to do it, man. Well, if I had to do it, I, you know, that's a good question. I know it, it wouldn't be a quarterback. It huh. would probably be uh, man. That's a good question. I would I would probably take the the running back at Penn State. I would yeah. probably take that guy because he's an excellent. He can make a difference. I love Crowell. Uh, I think he, you know, I think you, you know, you can't have too many good backs back there. And uh, uh, but you know, the, he would probably be my first pick, and then my second pick would probably be an offensive lineman because uh, yeah. wow. you know those guys play for a long time. Yeah. Uh, and then you know, I, you know, it's obvious that we 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 you know we probably need to take a quarterback, but. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Tom Brady was a sixth round guy, so you never know with those guys. You know, <laughs> a, what, a, where they're going to turn, where, where they're going to turn up to be great. So, yeah. I, I would think, you know, any any quarterback successor we got to have, you got to be able to block for him. Yep. So, yep. It, it, you know, because it, you know, and I know that we passed on Carson Wentz and we passed up on Deshaun Watson, but we don't necessarily know that they'd have had the same success here that they have where they're at. Yep. So, yep. Uh, so if you have if you have some blocking, you have some good linemen in front of you that make an average quarterback look great. Yeah, absolutely. And look at the difference that Gurley and Elliott have made. You know what I mean? When you add in yeah. a dynamic running back like Barkley, you know one thing. Yes. Let me say real quick: if people, comp- I agree with you. I would take Barkley in one of those two picks too. Barkley not mm-hmm. only is a great player; he's like an A one human being. I don't know if you've read about him a lot. But this is a great yeah. kid the kind of kid that could be a cornerstone of your uh, franchise going forward. So I agree. So oh, I think Barkley is not only on the field, but off the field is the kind of guy that you want in your franchise. Absolutely. A leader. Yep. An excellent leader. So, uh, so as a former defensive back, do you like what you see out of Mika Fitzpatrick in Alabama? Yeah, I, I do like him. I do like him. Anybody that comes out of Alabama, I like. I mean, that, those guys <laughs> are winners. You know, those guys are winners. They find they find a way to to get it done. I mean, they 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 work for an excellent coach, Nick Saban. I mean, how can you go wrong uh, by you know getting somebody from an organization that always wins? You know, yep. so yes, sir. Uh, and and then also there's they got a big. I th- I think another defensive back factory is out of Ohio State. I don't know why we don't take more guys out of Ohio State. They win as well, and and they right. and uh, they got great That's pedigree a- there. So. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Look at the impact they're making right away. Look at guys like mm-hmm. Lattimore and Elliott and Bosa. These guys are coming oh, yeah. into the league NFL ready, you know? These guys right, walk under the NFL field and play. I think, I think you're, with the new guy that we have in Dorsey, I think you'll start seeing a lot of Ohio State guys here in Cleveland. Wow, awesome. That's mm-hmm. good to hear. Be a welcome change. Well, Felix, thank you so much for your time. Where, where can we find you online or, or follow you on any other social profile? Yeah, you can, I mean, with, you know, with Twitter, I think it's, it's Felix Wright at Felix Wright twenty two. You know, connect. We, you know, we, you know, I try and have fun on there. I try and keep everybody posted on the Browns things and what I'm doing. So it's all good. I'm on LinkedIn as well, as far as the business tip to where you know I'm out there, you know, uh, con- you know, connecting with people and trying to find different situations here and there where I can help people get connected with jobs and work. So yeah, I'm just I'm just networking and just trying to trying to stay in the loop. Great. Felix, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for coming on the Orange Orange Browns podcast. You have a wonderful rest of the month of January. 
Thank you. Appreciate it. You guys have a good one. All right. Go Browns. Thank you, Philip. Thank you, man. Let's go. That's right. That's right.